0: Hey, Slapdog, the Brainiacs are ready. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 150 of Leather Brains. Your host, Slapdog here. Welcome in. We have joined today with me, Scotty Del Rey and Alan Casanova Castro, Gentlemen, how was your Thanksgivings? Awesome. I didn't get any scalloped potatoes, though. I was pissed. (laughs) 102 (laughs) pick, and you blew it on scalloped potatoes. (laughs) No, scalloped potatoes
1: are the best, but I didn't get any. Nobody brought any. We made the main dish, so I wasn't responsible for it. Damn. Uh,
2: Yeti and I's families, we went out um, looking at Christmas lights. um, One of these days this past week, I don't remember. Thanksgiving week end. With the football games included are literally like you don't know what day it is you're like sunday i was ready for the games i was like wait half of them are already happened so i'm going to watch like two games now this was sunday but we went looking at lights and uh we were talking about the food draft because a lot of our families were interested on what some of the takes were um a lot of solidarity um i wasn't a lot of us were in line with the turkey not really being taken um there was some clamoring for the green bean casserole to be higher um, but that was, that was, that was really the only, it was the steal bombs. of the drafts.
1: Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. I did it. eat that and it was amazing. You do without it. Nah. I don't think that cream. I might just, I might just reduce it down to cream of mushroom soup. might just be the best thing. Now we're no. talking cream of mushroom, cream cream soup, mushroom with soup with the onions amazing.
0: on top. Just cream of yeah, mushroom what, soup and onions. No green beans.
1: Yeah. But that's what green bean casserole uh-huh. is. Do you beans. taste the green beans in the green bean casserole? No, well, I don't you really taste mush it mush at all. Could you like scarf extra, it all down? Could
2: you just have the cream of mushroom soup with the crunchy things on it and just still just call it green bean casserole and
1: be
0: be done Put with it? Put one bean it in there; it would still be
1: delicious. A singular
0: bean. I think it would yeah. be better because you know what? it's just not mushy. Uh,
1: cream of mushroom there. soup makes everything better. You you throw that on some on uh, some noodles with some brown hamburger, and it's we call it mush, and it's the easiest My- meal, easiest mac and cheese, and it's delicious. I'm, I'm not shitting missed... on. Go
0: ahead. Sorry, what? you're not. shitting No, I was on saying I'm not shitting on on uh, cream mushroom soup. I like cream mushroom soup.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it's really good. I, my only thing is with Thanksgiving food, if it was better, we'd eat it year round. But I think there's a reason sure. we only eat it once a year because it's like this takes way too damn long for things that are kind of mid
1: yeah <laughs> in their well flavor we just fun. had it was my sister's birthday over the weekend like two days after we had big thanksgiving meal and guess what we had green bean casserole had it again because she loves it and i also love it it was delicious you had, had um, leftovers no it um, was made brand new
2: shout out me i did text your sister happy birthday so shout out me mm-hmm. I did. good work doing, doing the lord's work
0: sorry uh matt sister i didn't didn't mean to forget you but um happy You're belated to... Uh, so i take it you guys all had a good thanksgiving then so good okay well i i'm assuming you guys i I agree with you alan like i think thanksgiving especially if you have the friday off like that black friday or whatever after off it it is just a glimpse at how society would function if we we didn't have like a a five-day work week. Like, everything becomes chaotic. Everything is like, you are you don't know what day it is. You don't know what's going on. Mm. You have no structure. And it is nice. It's like a nice little vacation. But it quickly becomes just kind of like a blur. Like, you're just well, like, oh, yeah. I don't remember what it's day cha- this
1: happened. <laughs> it's chaotic because you want to watch all the NFL games. But now, I mean, with with the you know, all weekend you want to watch NFL games, but obviously you have the obligation to your family and your kids or whatever. Who cares about that? But Um, because of that, you're like always in a constant state of, oh shit, I gotta do something. Whether it's okay, I got ten minutes, I gotta spend some time with my kid. Hopefully I remember their name before the next game starts. And, you know, all your whole timeline just goes right out the window.
0: Do you have that issue often where you forget your kids' names, Alan? Uh
2: not not particularly. It depends on how drunk I get. I think that's my problem is with all of the days, like like Slaps was saying, like if the if the work weeks were like this, if it was just like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then I am off, I would be drinking very heavily because like <laughs> Thursday night, I am like, well, I don't have anything to do for like four days, so I might as well just start drinking because I don't have any obligations. I think that was my thing. It was just like, all right, well, let's uh, keep drinking. I guess here we go.
1: Especially if you got to cook food. You always yeah. crack beer when you're smoking yeah. stuff, and then next thing you know, it's eight hours later, you've had an entire case of beer in the middle of the day. I'm more sure. of a whiskey guy, but
0: I drink a, I drink
1: a good bottle of it. Yeah, starting whiskey at 11 a.m. is bad news when you throw that's the a, turkey on.
0: That's a good day. Uh, okay, gentlemen, I'm glad you had a, a good Thanksgiving. Welcome in. It's good to have you guys here. Especially, I mean, this is a monumental episode, 150. This is, uh, mm-hmm. this is big We've stuff, guys. We've been doing guys. this for a long time. We've been doing this for a very long time. So... Uh, Cheers, I don't have any alcohol, I just got some water here, so cheers to uh, 150 and here's to another 150 more. Scotty, kick us off with the MVP of the week, my friend.
1: Yeah, the Leather Leatherbrains MVP of the week is brought to you by Prime Society Luxury Leather Bags, Backpacks, and Accessories. Make sure you join athletes like Tyreek Hill and Clay Thompson by checking out PrimeSociety.com and shopping their luxury bags, luggage, and accessories. Whether you're looking for the perfect, high-quality Christmas gift that won't break the bank, or... You want to turn the heads with the swagger of a pro athlete. Prime Society is your answer. Your fantasy MVP helped you secure the bag in your league, which we'll discuss in just a moment. So make sure you secure the bag with PrimeSociety.com. Use promo code LBZ20 to get 20% off your order today. Again, LBZ20 to get 20% off your order today at PrimeSociety.com. And now your Leatherbrains MVP of the week is Mr. Josh Allen, 40.7. Fantasy points this week: three hundred and thirty-nine yards passing with two touchdowns, eighty-one yards rushing, and two more touchdowns.
0: You know what he couldn't do though? Couldn't win, win a game. <sighs> couldn't win a game, but he did win a lot of people their fantasy football games this week. I think Kyron Williams is probably also a um, a candidate? runner-up. Yeah, a runner-up candidate for sure. He did really well and, and was great. But you got to give it to Josh Allen. Uh, he's I mean, that's why you drafted him. So, congratulations to those that uh, that played Josh, that have Josh Allen and played him this week. And I apologize for anybody that went against him. Let's go over to studs and duds. I'll actually kick this off with my stud of the week being Jason Kelsey, the uh, one of the nominees for the sexiest man alive. I'm not. That's not why he's my stud. However, I don't know if you guys got the. I'm assuming you guys watched the the Eagles game this last week. But Jason Kelsey had a key block in the victory. For the Eagles, it was, uh, I didn't know a big man, look, I'm a big man, I'm not as big as Jason Kelsey, and I'm not claiming to be nearly as athletic, but this big man, Jason Kelsey, like, he he had a, a very impressive block to give Jalen Hurts a running route, um, there, the defensive end had crashed, and jason kelsey as soon as the ball was snapped turned and just like full sprinted and blocked the dude it was a great block and i uh i'll, I'll post a clip up of it so everybody can see it but man very impressed with jason kelsey uh, who knew that that old man could still get moving that he's, quick so he, he's
2: been hitting he's been hitting i think I, I, this is going to be interesting to see because he's going to retire soon probably after this year more than likely um i know he he um toyed around with the idea at the end of last year but like Even if you go back to last week, the game with the Chiefs, he was he was like changing audibles himself. Like he does so much for that team that goes like unnoticed. And so I'm happy he made your stud of the week because he definitely does a lot that makes this offense move and hum, especially with Lane Johnson they had out this Mm -hmm. week. You know, he they he really had to step up and control things. And I, you know, they got it moving and that block that block was sick. Yeah. I will give you that. It It was was a great block.
1: The Eagles offensive line generally makes watching offensive line fun. Like, like, that's not a normal thing. When you're a football fan, you're rarely watching the offensive line, and it's hard to take your eyes off him when the Eagles are playing. And Jason Kelsey needed it because he almost cost him the game with two consecutive false start penalties. Yeah. That, you know, I don't know when the last time that's ever happened to him, if ever in his career, where he just kind of blew it on a couple plays that really was almost very impactful, but ended up pulling it out. And Jason Kelsey doesn't look like he's lost a step. It's, it's, I understand why he wants to retire. It's kind of a shame, though, because it doesn't, it looks like he's still one of the best offensive linemen in the league.
0: Yeah, and it is also worth noting he uh, he kind of snuck out, went to the locker room for a quick poop ski before the team went to overtime. So you got to give him, got to give him a sneaky little shout out there because <laughs> yeah. we saw. He
1: tried he tried to be sneaky, but the whole camera crew just zoomed in on him because yeah, everyone probably. thought he might be injured. But you can tell he just needed a post Thanksgiving shit before yeah. overtime. Just Classic. a quick poop ski relatable.
0: <laughs> uh, Scotty, why don't you bring us your stud of the week?
1: Yeah, my stud of the week uh, is uh, Pittsburgh without Matt Canada. Uh, for the first time in 58 games, they had over 500 yards or over 400 yards on offense. And it was the week after they fired the offensive coordinator. I think it stands to reason. Some Sometimes, you know, we are just people. We don't play in the NFL. We're not really experts in anything. We just sit here and give our opinions. And sometimes we're fucking right. We've been, you know, the entire fantasy football community has been talking shit on Matt Canada forever. And they get rid of them and bam, all of a sudden their offense is more productive than they've been in 58 games. It's crazy.
2: Najee I'm... Harris actually looked good too, which was like, <sighs> was he suffering from Matt Canada? Because he actually looked like what we thought of what he was going to be until he like went on a milk carton and couldn't do anything. Like he actually looked good too.
0: Yeah, he did. I I mean, here's the thing, man. Like I, I've not been a fan of Matt Canada. I don't think Steelers fans have been a, Mac, a fan of Matt Canada and You can't argue with them getting a win against the Bengals secondary. I mean, like, or against the Bengals defense in general. The the Bengals defense is not a terrible defense. They're not like the Browns by any stretch of the means, but they're still a formidable defense, and for them to come in and win this game, I was pretty impressed. It, It wasn't flashy. It wasn't great, but the numbers speak for themselves. That offense was humming. They were doing a lot better without Matt Canada there, and I'm interested to see if this continues throughout the end of the season. And now... Alan, your stud of the week.
2: Uh my stud of the week is Mac Jones, and not for reasons that everybody would think he should be my stud of the week. Uh, he's my stud of the week because he just dis- he likes to discover new, cool, new like passer ratings and see how low he can go. That's why he's my stud. I think it's an art. His passer rating this past week was 27.8. And if he had just spiked all 21 passes into the ground, his QBR would have been 39.6. So he literally <laughs> did worse than if he just spiked everything. So I think that's an art. I don't think many quarterbacks could pull that off. He he does it. He tries it and shout out to Bill Belichick for keep putting him in there to discover these new lows.
0: Well, you know, I'm excited. See, this is this is a point of conversation before we get over to everybody's duds. He was benched again this week for Bailey Zappi. Like, it just continues to happen. And, like, why? (laughs) Why? I I liked Bill
1: Belichick's, like, he he put some some magic sparkles in the conversation because everyone's talking, you know, before this game, okay, who's going to be your starter? And he's like, well, I just told everybody to be ready. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. Boom, Mac Jones yet again. And then they bench him again.
2: (laughs) Here's here's what's going to happen. Scotty's little firing your coach or firing coordinator and winning – after you do a firing is gonna hold true for the Panthers. They are gonna win a couple. The Patriots are gonna keep starting Mac Jones as my stud. He's gonna keep finding new low QBRs. They're gonna backdoor their way into the number one pick, and then Belichick's gonna get Caleb Williams.
1: Oh
0: that could be fun. I don't they know how wins there. They I only think Belichick's done after this year. I think Belichick's ah. done. I think I think there's gonna be some conversations behind closed doors where it's gonna be it. Hey, we want you to retire, or we want we want you to leave, so that way it doesn't smear your resume and it doesn't make you feel bad in the public light. But we we want to move on from you, Mr. Belichick. I think that you're, that is a conversation that's going to happen. If
2: you're a Patriots ownership, would you rather have Bill Belichick tutel- like tutelage with a Caleb Williams, or find a brand new coach to take over for Caleb Williams?
0: I guess it would depend on who that coach is.
2: I agree. I think. I think if they get the number one pick, I think he stays because they can sell hope as an organization. We're going to get the number one QB with Belichick. We're going to recreate the Brady magic. Watch, watch us go. Watch us do what we do as a Patriots team. I think that's why they're starting Mac Jones as much. I think they're tanking, like very obviously.
1: <laughs> yeah, they they've really mastered tanking if they have because they they switch real quick from trying to win to just being absolutely. Garbage, just terrible. Yep. I don't know. I think Bill Belichick's gone from the Patriots pretty much for sure I, you make an interesting argument, but you know right now I think they're in line if if the season ended today they'd end up with probably you know Marvin Harrison jr. um which I don't know no. would, would help them at all.
0: <laughs> no, that's for the Cardinals yeah <laughs> so stop stop talking about that. Alan, you mentioned uh the Panthers they uh the the news broke this morning that Frank Reich has uh, been fired. From the Panthers. So he didn't make it a full season with them. He did not make it a full season with the Colts last season before they fired him midseason. And now it happened to him again, but this time with the Panthers. Scotty, you have him as your stud of the week,
1: perhaps? No. Or the future? Yeah, the, the my dud of the week is whoever me, takes dud. over this role. Okay. Um, because, you know, I first of all think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the, uh, I forget his name, but the, the owner of the Panthers um, being – Pretty like hot on the trigger, like he's just willing to fire David whoever. David Tepper,
0: yeah, Tepper. We're calling um, him Tepper the schlepper.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to say that, but I agree with the sentiment. Um, <laughs> Tepper, I, I think this was a little bit premature because this is an organization that sold everything to uh, to get Bryce Young. And Bryce Young, we don't know how good he is because this team sold everything. And they also have no future because they gave away like all of their first and second round picks for the next couple of years, as well as their best offensive weapon. So my dud of the week is whoever waltzes into this job. I think Yeti mentioned in the group chat, oh, it might be interesting if the enemy stepped in here. No, I don't want that. I don't. This is this is a lose lose situation for whoever takes this job. It is a terrible spot. And on top of that, you have an owner who's willing to fire you after 11 games after screwing you over when they hired you.
0: I just – I I agree with you. I think whoever walks into that situation, it's going to be very unfavorable. But what I would be very curious to know is who's making these decisions for the Panthers? Like, truly. Like, who is – is it the head coach? Is it the GM? Is it ownership? Is it a medley of all of it? Because you saw what happened with Matt Rule, and you saw him kind of get pushed out. And after they sold Christian McCaffrey, who was – their biggest weapon, like at one point in time, the Panthers had a somewhat of a formidable roster, and now it's just it's Adam Thielen and Hayden Hurst and Miles Sanders. Like it's just gross. It is a very unfavorable situation. But who is the person who wanted to sell the farm to get Bryce Young? That's what I want to know. Well, Was it Frank I you, Wright?
1: I know you like it when I use big words, so I'm going to use one here. Um, this yes. is a cacophony of utter incompetence. These guys are all a bunch of morons, <laughs> and I think I think it's a group decision and. Led by Tepper. I mean, Tepper, like I said, he's been under fire recently because people have been looking at him. I, I, I guess he's got a brass statue of testicles on his desk that he just keeps out. Like, I don't know if it's supposed to be, like, an intimidating thing. Like, that's the kind of person this guy is. He just seems a little bit crazy.
0: Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. The Panthers aren't in a favorable spot, but, like, it, it is. it makes me think that it's not the head coach's fault like truly like I do think perhaps it is Tepper I'm not sure but I it's, can't sit there and blame the head coach because the same thing happened with Matt Rule
2: Yeah I think you hear it all the time like you need the front office that's there's a reason why whenever 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 any like major sports team wins anything they'll always give credit to the front office couldn't do it without the front office think about doing any of our jobs that we're in but your boss is like Just awful. It makes it much more difficult for you to do anything productive if your boss is working against you, making decisions that aren't right, or basically not saying no. Like, let's say Reich really wanted Bryce Young, and well, you just fired the guy that really wanted him. So now what are you doing? You should have like just went with your gut and said, Hey, this is probably the best direction. So there's a little bit of everything. Everybody has a share in it, but the front office, I mean, ownership, GM, everything all the way down to the coach has to be in lockstep otherwise it looks like like it does now and then the the fans want to blame everybody and going really uh really quick back to what matt had said um so your leather brains word of the week brought to you by merriam-webster merriam-webster's dictionaries cacophony um, a harsh discordant mixture of sounds that is your leather brains word of the week cacophony
1: yeah, I kind of used it in uh, more of a, oh, here's another one, colloquial. I kind of used it in more of a colloquial way, which is more of like a uh, um, informal kind of context as opposed to the exact definition.
0: <laughs> hey, Alan, can you put that down for next week and we'll make that the word next week so that way anybody who doesn't you know guys what it are means are going to so have to much. wait till next week to figure out what that word means. Yeah. Yeah. We need
2: to we need no to spoilers. learn more words. Yeah. Matt is running laps around us.
0: He is making us look like the idiots that we are. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> Alan, you're dud of the week, buddy.
2: Uh, dud of the week for me, Deontay Johnson. Um, if you've seen any of the clips that are out there, he had just one of the weirdest plays I've ever seen of somebody that just like didn't give a shit. There was a run play that they ran off to the left towards Deontay Johnson's side with um, with Warren. And he falls, and if you look in the background, Deontay Johnson isn't even really blocking anybody. He just kind of like is in the way he made it like a little bit more uh he he just was like kind of like a bump in the road if he had somebody had to go around him was probably like the best way to describe what he was doing and then there's a fumble and he's not paying attention and he looks at it and then they're running the other way and he just kind of turns around and stares at him and watches him run the other way and doesn't really do anything it was kind of it was one of the more wild sequences I've ever seen and this was on the heels of reports of Deontay Johnson fighting with the team, yelling at people, yeah. getting you all up in arms just, about stuff. Was it last
1: year when he punched Mitch Trubisky in the locker room? Like th- this is like <laughs> becoming a thing where he's just fighting everyone in the locker room.
2: Yeah,
0: Not
1: yeah, that not was, a great
2: look. He had there a good was game reports. That clip.
0: Yeah, there was there was reports that uh, Minka Fitzpatrick and T.J. Watt had to like break up what whatever he whoever he was fighting with and like yell at the team and be like, we need to stick together as a team. So Deontay Johnson might be a locker room issue. Like he might be like a, a team, not a team guy, you know,
1: I not was good listening. Luck. I was listening to another podcast today, um, and uh, the guy on it is a big Steelers fan, and he was like, I am so done with Deontay Johnson. Like, all he does is cause problems. (laughs) I don't want him on this team. I don't want him anywhere near the team. So it sounds like Steelers fans are are getting pretty fed up with it. And this play was ridiculous. I I think the best way to describe it is he looked like when – um a a team is running an offense out of wildcat and they send the quarterback over to like the wide receiver position (laughs) off by the sideline and he's like oh i'm not actually going to do anything i'm just a distraction (laughs) like that's what he did on this play he just stood there and watched the ball fumble right by him shame on you deontay johnson my
0: thought of the week is late hits There was a late hit that I believe should have been called. The refs missed another hit. This one was on Justin Herbert in last night's game. Uh, He was running out of bounds. I I was watching it live, and I audibly went, oh, my God. And then they slow-moed it. And it didn't look as bad as it did in real time, but it still definitely was a late hit, and it it should have been called, and it was not called, which then further elevated the entire situation because then the team... Um, I don't remember which Chargers player it was. It might have been Gerald Everett uh, went and was fighting with one of the uh, the opposing team members, which then got a penalty flag and then pushed him back at a touchdown range, and then that caused him to kick a field goal. So, like, everything that could have went wrong went wrong there, but the refs missed a late hit that I have no idea how when you're watching that, you even in a replay, you don't call that. That, to me, was an egregious late hit, and shame on those refs for not calling that.
1: Yeah, I cannot believe they didn't throw a flag. They they got so royally screwed in that little sequence, and it was one of the more yeah. obvious like late hits on a quarterback that you'll <clears> see. It was it was a good you know almost a yard out of bounds before he yeah. got touched.
2: I want I want to do this really quick because, um, Slaps, you hit on a really good point because it's like it seems like one thing, <clears throat> and then everybody will say like, oh, but there were so many other things, but like that dictates so much the cause and effect after that. It's like the the butterfly effect, like the things that happen thereafter. It's almost like when on a last second drive, the DB drops a what would be a game ending interception. And then they give up a touchdown. Like it's those little things that like truly dictate because the margin for error in these NFL games is so freaking slim that everybody wants to be like, Oh, it's not the refs. Oh, it's not this. Oh, that doesn't matter. Like, it all matters. Like all these little things add up to the end, and then you're like, "Here we are." It, they say it's a game of inches. Well, if you're giving away 15 yards for no reason, that's many inches. I don't know if we want to do the math on that, but it's many inches. Um, but I think it's, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, a great dud because I think we're seeing that more and more, whether they call it or don't call it. These things are truly affecting the game.
0: And that that one, like. I've seen the flags, flags thrown for way less, you know? And so that's that was really what like it just I'm not a Chargers fan. I don't care if the Chargers win or not. But like for the, the sake of fairness conversation, I just watched that and was just like, this that's bullshit. Like you why are you not throwing that? And then you have time to look at the replay and you still look at that play and then you say, Nope, that wasn't a late hit. It's like how, in, how on God's green earth is that fair? So, I, I felt for Chargers fans and Justin Herbert, and I just think that was that was BS. And I, I, I don't think that was fair for that not to be called. So, that's my dud of the week. And now, let's get over to the Leatherbrains game of the week. It's got to be the Eagles-Bills, gentlemen. I mean, <clears throat> there is absolutely no other game that was uh, this electric, this close, and this meaningful as this Eagles-Bills game. So, obviously, I think most NFL fans are watching this game. But the Eagles win this game 37-34. to 34, And uh, it was on a walk-off 12-yard touchdown in overtime from Jalen Hurts. So, Josh Allen is now 0-6 in overtime games. We can blame him. We can blame the defenses. But I think really, you know, and if we want to go down that road for the conversation, we can. But I also just I want to point out that this is the end of the Bills season effectively you know I I don't I don't know the statistics for their playoff berth but I know it's under 50 percent and it's not looking good
1: yeah it's under 25 percent now and they still have to play the Chiefs and the Cowboys uh both in their own or not their home stadium so in the Chiefs stadium and the Cowboys stadium so it's they they basically I think to really have a shot I think they at least have to win four out of the next five games and they've got some tough ones they
2: they end the season with so they get a bye uh then they play they're at Kansas City they have the Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, Dolphins to end it. So they, they can have do to it. pretty. They could, but they pretty much have to win all of them. Yeah, they 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 pretty much have to win them all because it's such a logjam in the AFC that teams are just. It's going to be tough, tough sliding. I mean, you have the Colts in there right now. Like, there's just teams that are just sliding around. That it's this is a bad year to have a rough year because there isn't that bottom of the AFC. Um, and if you're a Bills fan, I mean you look at the season, you look at what you had coming into it. The Chiefs aren't what the Chiefs were two years ago, even last year to some degree. And then you look at the Bengals, Burrows out, you know, so you're looking around the AFC, you're like, hey, now's our time. We don't have anything to worry about. It's us, you know, the Ravens, you know, we can beat the Ravens. And then you're out here pulling the season you're having. It's just like a shit time to do it for Bills if you're a Bills fan because this is ripe for the picking AFC time right
1: now. Yeah, I will say that, you know, Josh Allen is responsible for a lot of their problems this season. Obviously, I've talked extensively about the defensive issues that they've had. They've they've lost a ton of starters on defense, but Josh Allen has been a turnover machine. Um, he was not the reason they lost this game. He played very I think he had one bad play through an interception. Um, but outside of that, he played damn near perfect football this game and was electric to watch. He's not the reason they lost. So it's good to see him at least appear to kind of <clears> get <throat> back to the Josh Allen that we like to see. Yeah.
2: Two two key points in this game that I want to talk about really quickly. That kind of we talked about small things become big things. One, um, it's obviously a big thing, but Elliott hitting that fifty-nine yard field goal in the rain. There, it's windy. You know, pressures on him. That field's been beat up from the you know them playing the whole time. Like it was a ridiculous, and he had room to spare on that one. So that that is Dead. one. But then the Bills get the ball. They have 20 ish seconds left. They have a timeout and they kneel it.
1: Yeah. You they should have had it. two timeouts. Yeah. I think they did they, have they two. Sh- no, they, they, have they, one left. they burned one trying they to ice him. one. Oh.
2: Yeah. They burned one trying to Which ice Which is very on field stupid. Goal. Yeah. Just you keep the two. You have the 20 seconds. You could have gone. You have Josh Allen. He's playing out of his mind. They, The Bills fans. Every all the writers talk shit. How Josh Allen didn't get the ball in overtime against the Chiefs. Why didn't he get the ball in overtime? He should get a chance to score. And then you have a chance at the end of the game to actually go and try to score. And you sit on it. You freaking sit on it. That coaching decision was unreal. Unreal. They did this to themselves.
0: Uh, okay, so I, I got a, I got a couple questions here. I, I mean, we all know that. The Chiefs would have went for. They would have sent Patrick Mahomes out there with twenty second, tried to get in field goal range and finish that game. Like, there's no question in in my mind, and I'm sure for you guys, that's that's the same verdict. Where do the Bills go from here? You know, like I, I, not none of us are Bills fans here. So just looking at the team, like the Commanders, we can look at the Commanders and say they need a better offensive line. Let's see what they can do. Where do the Bills go from here as a team in order to still try and compete?
2: Here's here's the problem you have if you're a Bills fan or if you're the Bills front office for that matter. At the end of the season, you are in the hole $30 million in cap space. You don't have any. This is you basically, with the money you have, said, we are all in. We are trying to win right now. And that was very obvious with how they signed, the players they were keeping. Things they were holding on to, they're saying this is our moment. We are doing it. So they don't even have cap space to like go out and do anything. They need to shed some of this weight, which might not be a bad thing because sometimes change can be for the better. But if you're a Bills fan, you're really, really looking at that clock because there's a lot of good young AFC talent. There's a lot of good young quarterbacks. There's a lot of there's a lot of bumps in the road, which they, you know, the Bengals experienced one with CJ Stroud. You have all these teams trying to rebuild and regroup. Coaching changes like your window is very small in the NFL, and I don't know if the Bills have very much longer. This might be it because they're going to have to make some changes and they have to create cap space and get rid of some people.
0: Do so you think they're going to go under what we would what we would deem as a light rebuild?
2: I think, yeah, they're, they're going to have to if, if, if they want to change the way things going. Because la- even last year to end the season, it's not like they were competitive against the Bengals in that game at home.
0: Mhm. No, and it you know, that's any given Sunday. We've said that a lot, but also it's just how much team makeups change year over year and how that really truly does affect the rest of the NFL. Going into this year, like the Bills were touted as one of the, you know, the heavy hitter contending kind of people and here we are and they're they have less than a 30% chance to make it to the playoffs. So That's how quickly things can change in the NFL, and I think a lot of people don't really fully understand that. So I I just wanted to kind of highlight that because it's it's happening in front of our eyes right now. And the Bills next year could be a middle of the pack team at best, depending upon how this roster, you know, what this roster carryover looks like going into next season. That is a potential. So it's just worth noting, and it is it is interesting because I. uh, that's not how I wanted to see the Bills season, and mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I want Bills Mafia to be smashing tables and at least be in the playoff conversation. And right now, it's not looking promising. So,
1: it'll be but, extra electric if they make it, though.
0: It will. It will indeed. It will uh, Thanksgiving, guys. We had three games on Thanksgiving. I really want to talk about the Packers versus the Lions because the Packers upset the Lions twenty-nine to twenty-two. Scotty, you have been an, an an apologist. I don't know if that's a word or not, but it sounds. It's a word, but it's the wrong word. Well. You have apologized to Dan Campbell a couple times. So, we'll <laughs> okay. say uh, you've been an apologist of Dan Campbell. Uh, colloquialism. I, <laughs> colloquialism. Uh, it's hard for me to to defend Dan Campbell today. It really is. It was hard for me to defend him on Thanksgiving. I don't know what going going for it on fourth down it, within your own like 20-yard line in the third quarter does for you. Very clearly, it doesn't win you games. So that is a really tough play call for me to get behind. I didn't agree with it. I'm I'm a pseudo-Lions fan this season for anybody that doesn't know. That was really difficult for me. I I thought the Lions should have won this game pretty handily. I think some things really got out of hand very quickly for the Lions, and it was hard for them to try and come back. Uh, Jared Goff, he did not look good in this one. He had three fumbles, lost all three of them. Do you gentlemen think that there's any possibility that the that Hendon Hooker, this is the quarterback that the Lions drafted in the 3rd round this season this last draft, excuse me. Um he tore his ACL prior to entering the NFL, so we haven't got to see him all year, so he really wasn't even competing for a starting spot. But do you think that there's any any possibility that Hendon Hooker might make an appearance next season as a starting quarterback?
1: Next season? Uh yeah, I'd say there's a possibility. I mean, we it's it's crazy how quickly we forget. Jared Goff has been playing out of his mind this season. Yes. He's had two consecutive games now with with a bunch of turnovers that have been bad. They they got out with a win last week, but this week they weren't uh, weren't so lucky. Um but overall uh, over the course of the entire season, Jared Goff has been very good. So I think if he's able to pull it back together, we know this Lions team is talented uh, on both sides of the ball, you know, they're able to they're able to win games. Um, it's just, they can't get the ball away, you know, three and four times a game and expect to win. That's just not how things work in the NFL. So if we see Jared, yeah, you know, I, I think there's a good chance the lions make a very solid offseason run, or a, a postseason run. And Jared Goff's going to be a big part of that. So it'll be a conversation for next year, but you know, the, the turnovers are obviously unacceptable, but it's not something, I don't think it reflects badly on Jared Goff this season because he has been so good. Um, as far as the bad call, and this is just this is just what Dan Campbell's been doing and he's 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 pulled off some crazy fourth down conversions and he in this case uh, you know did not do did not do it and I I really do think that it's it's an emotional problem for him. I think he's a very emotional guy. I think he gets so invested in the narrative and he doesn't think clearly and that's why he's making these questionable decisions. And this one's just unacceptable. You just can't do that when you're already struggling, put yourself further in the hole. Um it's just Dan Campbell man. That's just who he is. I love him but i can't defend that we're talking about quarterbacks and the switches so let's pivot onto the
0: other side of this conversation the packers i've seen some murmurs that jordan love is not the future for the packers organization i've seen people saying you know he's not it let's move on um there is there's an interesting stat kind of floating around and i think we had even um posted it on our socials so let me pull it up here very quickly it is uh It is the matrix, gentlemen. We're living in it. So Aaron Rodgers had 2,599 passing yards and 21 total touchdowns through his first 11 games as a starter. Jordan Love has literally the exact same numbers in his first 11 games as a starter. So I I just bring all this up. I've seen a lot of of Jordan Love isn't it. Jordan Love is not the future of the Packers organization. I just wanted to ask you guys what you think because – he's got the same metrics as one of the greats through his first 11 games. And granted he's not a rookie, but are we treating him as a rookie and how do we see his career going forward?
2: I think, uh, my opinion on this is that he looks to be the part right now. He appears that he can make some of the throws. They've even done side-by-side comparisons of him and Aaron Rodgers doing like their little drop back and how like the arm angle changes and how they sling it around. And I, think he's not the reason they're he he's the reason they're winning some of these games and staying in some of these games just as much as that defense and I think at the beginning of the year it was flipped it was like he's not really winning us games He's just trying not to lose them I'm I'm optimistic I think if you're a Packers fan you 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 have to be some you have to be more optimistic than you were to be the start the season and through the first few weeks now he will get another test on the next Sunday night the Chiefs are will be in Green Bay to play I think that will be another big test for him. I fully expect him to to show out. Um if you remember, um you know, he came didn't he come in when Rodgers was hurt uh was it last year the year before with um in Kansas City and he didn't look great. But again, that was like that wasn't really his team. That was Rodgers' team. That was yeah. not he pro- he wasn't getting the first team reps, you know, like that just a terrible spot to be in and I'm interested to see how he shows up this Sunday, but I fully expect him to be their guy moving forward because he certainly looks the part. He protects the ball. He takes risks when he needs to and throwing for what over 250 yards and three touchdowns against a lions defense. That was pretty heralded as like, Hey, we're going to shut some shit down. Like pretty optimistic if I'm a Packers fan.
1: Yeah. I don't understand. I've seen the the same, you know, kind of murmurs throughout, you know, NFL fans saying that Jordan love, isn't the guy. I personally don't understand how you can come to that conclusion. This is the youngest offensive unit in the league. I mean, it's not like he has any any veterans to lean on. All of his pass catchers are young. He's you know, inexperienced. I think you have to give him more time. And there's certainly reasons to be optimistic, like Alan said. I do not think you can write him off yet. I think he's given you enough to be excited about it. And you have to let this team you know, sort of mature together. And they haven't really had that opportunity just through the short season so far. So we'll have to see how things go. As far as next week goes, it's tough to get a win in Lambeau. And if they can come out and play, play good offense, they could very well win that game. And I think maybe the conversation about Jordan love would be drastically different, different if that happens.
0: Yeah. I, I tend to agree with both of you guys. I just wanted to pick your brains because that's been a conversational piece throughout the NFL landscape in the last couple of weeks. And I think it, it was worth addressing. So while we're talking about dressing, let's talk about addressing the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not a Dallas Cowboys fan. In fact, I don't like the Dallas Cowboys. But they continued to roll in what is named a snooze fest this last week against the Commanders. They beat them 45-10. to 10. So it's looking that Dallas is pretty dang likely that they're going to make the playoffs. They're currently 8-3. and three. But my question to you, gentlemen, is... Dallas, are they, are they legitimate Super Bowl contenders at this point? Because all Dallas fans are going to say is, yes, absolutely, we're there. But we know Dallas, and Dallas historically tends to shoot themselves in the foot at some point. Is it going to happen again this year?
2: I think I think so. I put a note in here in our, our show notes that said Dallas equals the Dolphins. Um, I think they very clearly beat up on lesser teams. When I was having a conversation with a family member who's a big Eagles fan, so you know where their thoughts were with this Dallas team. (laughs) But one of the things I brought up to him is like, if you watch the Dallas game, they typically will score in bunches late. Either the game's over or they're coming back from a deficit and they score a bunch of points and make it interesting. And it kind of tilts the scale on how the game looks. Because if you look at this game, on, if you just look at the scores, 45-10. Wow. You blew out. The commander's 45 to 10 at the end of the third quarter, it was 20 to 10. It was only a 10 point game. And then they just kind of went on a, on a fury at the end, like a little flurry scoring at the end of the game and got a pick six, got some long touchdown passes, but even further drilling into the total yards, it was fairly even like the commanders were able to move the ball. The Cowboys could move the ball, but I think what you're gonna see, and this happens to the dolphins this year is when they play somebody with equal talent, it, they can't, they can't overcome some of their deficiencies they have as a team they just make some dumb mistakes they do some stupid shit and it you can it's okay in this game because it's a lesser team but i don't trust them in the playoffs i would not trust them against any of the top teams in the nfl um they might win a playoff game depending on how the how the how the draw works and who they get but i wouldn't trust them beyond maybe one maybe a divisional win
1: And I think this game, you know, continues to say a lot about how good Dallas's defense is. And it goes exactly with the narrative of what you just said where, you know, okay, maybe the offense struggles a little bit to start the game whatever, but then, you know, they start to figure out that defensive scheme and they can score points. And every team's like that in the NFL. As you're playing the game, you can make those adjustments, and you can find weak spots, you know, maybe there's a player or two that gets injured and now you have a a key target on offense that you want to go after. Um, and Dallas's defense just doesn't seem to give that up very often. Um, so they, they, they will keep them in it and they'll keep them interesting. It's really going to come down to, okay, if Dallas can get a couple, um, you know, defensive scores or key turnovers, which they've clearly been able to do and Dak doesn't give the ball back. At that point in time, it's a very formidable team. So it's really going to come down to Dak Prescott and this offense not blowing the game and the defense holding strong like we know that they can. But at this point in time, it's the same thing with the Dolphins. You can make the criticism, oh, they haven't beat anybody good yet. But we've seen enough on the field to know that, you know, what this team's capable of and what their identity is. And they're certainly capable of making a Super Bowl run. It's just a matter of if they put it all together. Dallas
0: plays Seahawks, Eagles, Bills. Dolphins, Lions, and then the Commanders again. So there, there's some games sprinkled in there that I think are really going to show us a little bit more of what the Cowboys are made of, especially the Eagles and the Bills games. Those are two games that I'm really interested to see, as well as the Dolphins game, I think, could get really interesting because it's going to be an offensive game. I mean, that's what the Dolphins do. Their defense is not as good as their offense is, and so that's going to be kind of interesting to see how this game unfolds. I, I don't think the the Dallas' is Super Bowl contender. I think they're certainly playoff worthy, and they will go to the playoffs, and they could even make a, ha- a half-decent playoff push. I don't see them going to the Super Bowl, however. So just wanted to uh, to hash that out a little bit here. And uh, next thing up here is the Texans' heartbreaking loss. This was a really good game, gentlemen. It was the Texans-Jags. The Jaguars win this game 24-21. to um, I really wanted to see the Texans win this game, but unfortunately, uh, they did not. There's just a couple things here that I wanted to touch on. For fantasy football players, Damian Pierce's he came back from injury this week and uh, he logged five carries with an 18% snap count. So all of this is to say that Devin Singletary, this is his backfield and I do believe it will be his backfield for the remainder of the season barring any injury. So I just wanted to note that if you have Damian Pierce, I'm sorry, but I think it's Devin Singletary's season. So wanted to point that out. And then just another ancillary note is both – T Law and Stroud are young guys. Um, they're both young quarterbacks in, in the AFC, as well as Anthony Richardson. So these are the Colts, Texans, and Jags are all AFC South teams. Anthony Richardson, obviously, rookie quarterback that got injured and is out for the rest of the season. Is the AFC South looking to be a powerhouse division for years to come, in your guys' opinion? I mean, like, these are, this could be a pretty fun little conference that we have building around here. What do you think?
1: Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I I like good football. I want to see some good football. Um, As a Chiefs fan, you know, I obviously want them to run the AFC, but I I like good football. So, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he's been like a really interesting case study this season. This offense has been just in spurts. Sometimes they look awesome and sometimes they just can't figure out what the hell is going on. Um, so that's going to be interesting as, as things move forward. But I am as optimistic as ever for C.J. Stroud. I think he has proven now that he is a quarterback of the future and he is going to be around for a long time. And he has really elevated this team. And by the way, you know, it's, it's it's tough to say, but Tank Dell is incredible. And I don't know how much of that is quarterback play and just their relationship or Tank Dell might just be a, a phenom. But, but man, like the, watching those two guys play football is so much fun.
2: Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how much these two teams continue to invest because you've seen this where teams will pop up, but then it's like the front – we just were talking about the front office. The front office then doesn't either make that move to put them over the edge or doesn't feel like spending to put them over the edge, and then they end up in this weird like purgatorial area where they're just like, I'm kind of good, I'm not really good, maybe we'll make the playoffs, maybe we won't. But I think having Stroud come in and play as well as he is too, I think you could – you could see in this game that the jaguars wanted this one you know they they had to have it right to, yeah. to keep control and i think that's what makes good divisions great is that they get good players they're contenders they sharpen each other up and then you have what you have like they just produce great products and so i'm hopeful i think it's fun i think it'll be fun i think the afc south's kind of been in this rut for a while ever since like luck retired and you had all this turnover within the conference. So uh it'll be interesting but i think the two young guys and then you mentioned anthony richardson and i think that's spot on because he was showing something he has to stay healthy old adage you can't make the club in the tub so he i mean availability is the best ability and he needs to show that because he took some hits and that's kind of his mo if he can't take them then that's going to take a big piece of his game away
0: uh agree completely
1: yeah i uh I'm sad because the Broncos keep winning games. You
0: fucked this for everyone. I just want, I really, yeah, I want to point I that out. I really
1: did. You're this is idiot. like the second big blunder in just a few weeks that I've made <laughs> by saying stupid shit on the podcast and then it just happens. Like, dude, <laughs> I, I just don't get it. I. So when I watch the Broncos, I still don't see a very good football team. Like I don't know if I'm alone on that, but I'm watching them. They obviously look a lot more, uh, you know, a lot cleaner, making fewer mistakes. But it's not like this offense is going crazy. I mean, it, just in this game, granted they had to play a tough defense, but you know, Russ threw for 134 yards. Javante saw 18 carries for only 65 yards. Jerry Judy is irrelevant. Sutton had three receptions. Like it's not like they're blowing stat lines out, but they're finding ways to win these games. And obviously, they've won some tough ones, uh, be- beating the Bills and beating the Chiefs. Like they're finding way to win ways to win these games games um, for me the most impressive thing that I've seen out of Denver is the turnaround that we've seen out of their defense we talked just a few weeks ago that they had an, a different turnaround that was way worse you know from last season to the beginning of this season we're like what the hell happened and they all of a sudden figured it all out they're averaging on, or they're uh, allowing only 16 points on average over the last five games which you can win in the NFL if you're only giving the other team 16 points um, so that that's huge and I'm interested to know what your guys thoughts are is this just them you know remembering how to play football or is Sean Payton finally starting to have a real impact on the team? He's a scumbag.
2: <laughs> I knew that's what you were going to say as soon as he said Sean Payton. I, I Okay. You look, I, I will give them this. You're right on the defense. They're playing opportunistic football. Uh, I believe Mahomes said it in an interview when he was doing on, on the Manning cast on one of the Monday night games, they are asking him. Oh, I was the, it was the Broncos bills Monday night game where they beat Josh Allen. And they asked them, they said, what's the difference in this Broncos team that you saw on defense? And Mahomes said they simplified things. It wasn't anything crazy. What Mahomes was seeing was coming, but the guys were, were playing fast. They were playing downhill, and they were being aggressive, and they are playing opportunistic. They're almost like the Iowa Hawkeyes of the NFL. They're not really doing a ton on offense, just like you mentioned, Scotty. They're not doing a ton, which is hard to do in the NFL and continue to win games because NFL is all about the offense. But you look at how this defense is playing. The offense is playing complementary football. They're not turning it over. Russ is taking care of it, taking shots when he needs to, holding it when he needs to, and not putting their defense in in bad spots. And that's a recipe for success. And I think the the Chiefs turned the ball over a lot. The Bills turned the ball over a lot. They got Josh Dobbs to turn the ball over. This week was a little bit – I assumed they were going to win this week since there was a DTR was the starter for the Browns, and then he ended up getting hurt and – Miles Garrett was hurt, so it was like a litany of of injuries for them there. But coming up, you know, they got they get the Texans next with CJ Stroud. Texans are playing well. Then they get the Chargers, Lions, Patriots, Chargers again, and they end with with the Raiders. So they're going to get a a good sled of teams that have decent coaching, except for the Chargers, and they're going (laughs) to figure out ways, you know, to kind of poke at this team. Because the other thing is, we we talk about this. I think last year we we did too with some of the quarterbacks that come in mid season. The other thing is there's you got to get more film on this Broncos team. If they've made some significant adjustments, you got to get more film on them, just like the Bears did last year where they made some adjustments with Justin Fields, and it kind of popped off for like four weeks. Well, NFL is always about once you get on tape, once you have tendencies, then they will figure you out. And I think the Broncos are benefiting from a little bit of that, a little bit of injuries, and a little bit of just like the defense just on, on a heater right now.
0: I will say this. If you are playing fantasy football with defenses, you should be starting anybody that goes against the Browns. That is my recommendation to you because <laughs> the Browns right now are, I, I, I started the Broncos last week and I'm very glad that I did. It got me double digit points. Like it was, it was a great turnaround. The Browns are not in a good spot. They, as you mentioned, um, miles Garrett, he was seen in a sling. He's out. Their quarterback is out. Amari Cooper is out. Like they're, they're in the, It's just not a good look for the Browns. It sucks. The Browns have been ridden with injury, but I would be very excited to start any defense against them because they're playing with what is now their third-string quarterback, and they have nobody. So uh, start defenses that are going against Browns. I think it will be very fruitful for anybody that does so.
2: That is a good call. And staying in the AFC West – wanted to talk about a, a couple of wide receivers one slaps i know you had mentioned previously and over the last two weeks he's really come along and another for the chiefs but in a game where we're all looking at kelsey mahomes what are they going to do the chiefs had mckinnon out the chiefs had tony out hardman's on ir the raiders turning it around they look good against miami probably should have won that game uh aiden o'connell settling in you got Devonte adams um, they're they're tight ends they were using their tight ends a lot and out of this game which was back and forth, Chiefs kind of pulled away at the end, but you saw two wide receivers that I think a lot of people have been clamoring for finally showed up on tape, finally showed up in production, and that is Rasheed Rice and Jacoby Myers. Rasheed Rice had eight receptions, 107 yards, and a touchdown. Jacoby Myers had six receptions, 79 yards, and a touchdown. Now, Rasheed Rice was benefiting a little bit from the injury bug that I aforementioned. And for Jacoby Myers, if you look at the games previous, last game he had four receptions. The games prior to that, he was averaging like a reception a game. And Slap, shout out to you for saying, hey, pick this guy up. You can you can get him for cheap because now you're starting to see that come to fruition with how he's starting to pay off on this offense. And if you fast forward and kind of look ahead as we always like to do, whether it's this season or you look at dynasty formats, these are two interesting Components to these teams that could be a part of their you know long-term success. Obviously, Rasheed Rice is a rookie, so he'll be around for a while. But even Jacoby Myers, like they were taking, they tried to take Devontae Adams out of the game, and Devontae got his, but Aiden O'Connell seemed to be settling in with Jacoby Myers. And when you're looking at the fantasy schedule right now, if you're rostering him and you're kind of wavering, it's something to keep note because as more and more teams queue in on Devonte, Jacoby's starting to show up as a reliable target that can get them to yards. He made a tremendous over-the-shoulder catch late in that Chiefs game. he's He was very productive. They were making a concertive effort to get him the ball, not only over the middle, but even giving him stuff out of the backfield and little design routes to get him on the edge. And Rasheed Rice, finally, if you're a Chiefs fan, you're like, thank you, God, because MVS can't catch shit. Uh, <laughs> Sky Moore can't catch shit. Kelsey's, I don't know if he's getting a little bit older um, well, if we're starting to see we the all wear are tear, every day if we're, if we're starting to see the wear and tear on him finally. So the chiefs really needed somebody else to step up and be a threat. And Rasheed rice had like 37 yard, 34 yard touchdown pass. So he's shown the home run threat ability. So for me, out of this, out of this game, what was impressive to me was if you're looking at options moving forward or you're kind of like, okay, I've been sitting on these guys and I think might now it might be the time to start them is now, um, I really think it's time i think you're starting to see these guys shine i think you're starting to see them pop on film the coaches will see it and i really hope that this is the more to come for these two guys because i think they're two very viable options especially like long-term formats i think if you're looking to get uh into something where they're kind of still on the basement uh kind of ground floor level i think it, it now is kind of the time but i'd love your guys' thought if you watch the game on these how these two guys played
1: yeah, well I, I just wanna say something about Jacoby Myers first because he's someone we've we've kind of touched on quite a few times over the course of the season. And we saw him he came out of the gates explosive right away with Jimmy G Jimmy G loved Jacoby Myers. And even now he's the top 20 wide receiver in PPR leagues. He's averaging over 14 points a game. So he's not someone, you know, I think he's been in at least flex consideration pretty much every week. And obviously, you know, when you're talking about wide receiver twos and flexes, you have boom weeks and bust weeks, but Jacoby Myers is someone that I've got rostered in several leagues. And he is one of my key flex guys. Like I'm, I'm putting him in all the time because with Devonte Adams on that team, the defenses are leaving Jacoby open, and he is making the plays. He is getting open. So I'm a big fan of Jacoby Myers this season. I think he might be maybe the only player to ever go to the Raiders organization and get better at football because usually <laughs> that's the opposite of what happens. But we'll take it as fantasy managers. Uh, and then as a fellow Chiefs fan, I agree with you. Rashi Rice has to be a key part of this offense because especially with some of you know the slow offensive play that we've seen not being able to score in the second half, a great way to get that motor running on offense is to first of all, keep Pacheco involved, which they've done a pretty bad job of that. You know, Pacheco needs to see at least 15 carries a game, in my opinion. And then When you're trying to get that passing game going, you know, you have receivers dropping the ball, whatever, that's the perfect time to set up slants and screens to your best player in space, which is Rashi Rice on the Chiefs. You need to make high percentage throws to this guy in the flat and let him make moves and get the offense going. We saw that this week, and that needs to be a key component of the game plan going forward for the rest of the season.
0: Here's my concern with Jacoby Meyer. Um, I was in redraft formats. He was a buy-low candidate for me weeks ago. Unfortunately, you know, trade window has closed in redraft formats for most leagues. Here's my concern with Jacoby. Rashi Rice, I'm fine. He, the issue with Rossi, Rashi Rice is for dynasty purposes, he's going to be expensive. He's a rookie. He's tied to a really good quarterback, and it seems as if he could be a, a leading candidate for receptions. So Rashi Rice is going to be expensive. Jacoby Meyer is probably, his price is continuing to elevate, which is fine, but let's look at the, I think I would sell him in Dynasty, and the reason being is because, you mentioned this earlier, Devontae Adams is getting a lot of looks, which opens up the, it opens it up for Jacoby Meyer, right? Like, Devontae Adams, he is a wide receiver one, he's a very talented route runner, he is getting the top coverage in a defense. Is Devontae Adams going to be around next year? That's the question we have to be asking ourselves. And all signs indicate that he won't be. He's asked to be traded. He wants out. He's been spotted with Aaron Rodgers. And whether that happens or not is a conversation in and of itself. But the bottom line is Devonta Adams doesn't want to be here. And the Raiders are – we said this at the beginning of the year. The Raiders are going to be going under a rebuild because they have. They don't have a lot of pieces. They have some pieces, but they don't have enough to actually get competitive. So let's burn the whole fucking house down and let's build a new. Let's sell Devontae Adams. He's an aging asset. He's not going to be in the league a whole lot longer, and he still carries intrinsic value. You sell Devontae Adams. You're not going to sell Jacoby Myers because you need somebody to catch the ball, and now he becomes the de facto wide receiver one. That sounds juicy. That sounds great. But the issue being is can he handle top coverage from defenses on a lackluster offense? That is where I'm concerned at. So for redraft formats, if your trade deadline hasn't been moved yet, yeah, Jacoby Myers I'm all in on. But for dynasty purposes – I'd probably be looking to sell in the offseason before everything that I just mentioned actually happens, because I think it's likely that it does.
1: Yeah. I don't disagree with any of that. Um, but uh, one thing I can't figure out is the chargers. I just, I don't get it. I, I watch this team. I look at Keenan Allen. I look at all that Justin Herbert has been hyped up to be throughout his career in the NFL. And I look at Austin Eckler and I'm like, dude, this is an offense that should be scoring a shitload of points. And, you know, I'm not necessarily surprised at the record, but I am surprised at the way in which they are coming across these losses. Because if they were losing every game in a shootout, that would make sense to me. Because you got Brandon Staley, who seems to be totally incompetent. You have a defense that can't do anything. But you have a lot of great offensive weapons, and your window is significantly closing. Like, it is it is, it is almost shut. Because all of your offensive weapons, who are very good, are also pretty old. And I am just so surprised at the lack of productivity with this offense. So I know we've been asking this question, and everyone's been asking this question for forever. Is this is this a Justin Herbert problem? I mean, is is he not allowing this offense to move in the way that they should be?
0: No, I think it's a Brandon Staley problem. I really do. At this point, like it, I understand what you're saying, and I I don't disagree that there are things that he needs to do. But it, like you look at Justin Herbert as a raw product a raw product as a, as a talent of a quarterback in the NFL. He is a talented individual. I think it comes down to coaching. If you can't coach that out of him, like you're not sitting there saying, hey, I need you to throw it 10 yards shorter or hey, I need you to throw it an extra 25 yards or I need you to do this this like you're you are talking about things that can and should be coached out of a person. So I'm not. I don't want to blame Justin Herbert here. I want to blame poor play calling and poor coaching of an individual as far as Justin Herbert's lackluster success. That's my look at it.
2: I have my thoughts on Herbert. I think. <clears throat> I think for as much fanfare and fodder as he gets, um, he also gets a lot of passes. I feel like, and not actual football passes. Like, no, it's I okay. It's the he's, quarterback he's throwing them get no it's okay it's the quarterback no no or it's the coach no it's the system no he doesn't but you look at the you look at the weapons he does have around him and they sure they were calling plays and you can only run what was called and yada 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 I get that I really get that but that's a lot of weapons for one guy to have and I know they've been hurt I know they have their issues the defense gives up a lot of points we've seen good quarterbacks be on teams that have defenses that give up a lot of points and they either match or they elevate the people around them and that's kind of how you look at it in all sports when you look at some of the leaders whether it's basketball or whatever they're the top players elevate the people around them and they they do more with less and they're they're making it happen and they're slinging it around they're doing all this stuff and like I get Herbert can make some really good throws and he has a really strong arm but at some point you are what you are at some point your record is what your record is at some point you are a part of the team that's doing the thing and so I just don't know I think if you if you took another quarterback and put him on this team, is this the best they're going to get? Is this like the best version of the Chargers? Could they be better with a better quarterback? I don't know. I think it's really tough to to say because everybody's clamoring for the head coach to get fired. So, I think there's still opportunity. He's only 25 years old. He's got plenty of time left to to figure it out as as a as a quarterback with the team, but it's like they spent a lot of money on him. They have a lot of aging assets like like Matt just said. And so I don't know. Like, is he just going to end up as a Philip Rivers? Are they? Are the Chargers just going to have another Philip Rivers on their hand, where he's going to put up a lot of statistics? He's going to be really good. He's going to have them in somewhat playoff contention every now and again, and then they just won't get over the hump. Like, I, I, just have a strong feeling that's where this is heading, just based on what we've seen so far out of this organization. They created. I couldn't Phillip agree with Rivers you more.
0: I, I couldn't agree. I think. That, I think you. You said it perfectly. I think that is what the Chargers are going to be for the foreseeable future because I don't want to blame Justin Herbert necessarily, but those aging assets cannot be denied. Austin Eckler will not be on this team next year. Keenan Allen is 32 years old, Mike Williams 30, 31, yeah. Yeah, Mike Williams is 30, 29, 30 somewhere around there. Doesn't matter
1: how old he is, he's never on the field. He's
0: never it? Yeah, exactly. So that's my point is you have these you have great wide receivers that aren't on the field because they're old and they're they're injury prone your first round rookie wide receiver has been a complete bust thus far. So he was supposed to be the saving grace that is kind of like the next gen to come in here and, and help with the wide receiver room. Where's he been? You know, it's just, it's a cascading effect where I think at best the chargers are going to be kind of frisky some years and kind of miss some years. And I, I think that it's a lot of it has to do with the team makeup. And I also, I don't think Brandon Saley will be around at the end of the, by By the start of next year, he will be gone. Yeah, that's that's what I
1: was going to say is we can can speculate while we can, but we're not going to have to speculate for long because soon we're going to see a Chargers team without Brandon Staley and see if it makes a big difference. So Mm -mm. I guess we'll have to wait and see for that
2: one. Real quick question. More likely that Kellen Moore is elevated to head coach or they go find somebody else? Because if you find somebody else, I think Kellen Moore might be gone. He might go find another job.
0: Perhaps there's going to be quite a few know. potential openings, though, like for in the NFL this season. I think in in this offseason. season. I mean, Panthers we already know is one. I don't think he, the, I think Ron Rivera's gone. So the Commanders do they elevate Eric enemy? I think
1: that's probably likely. Um, I can't believe they didn't fire Rivera this week because obviously that's been kind of the source of conversation too. But if you are if you are the 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 front office or the owner of the Commanders. And you say, okay, we just picked up this new hotshot offensive coordinator and we have this coach that we know is not going to be around for very long. Why would you not get rid of him after the blowout loss to the Cowboys, elevate the enemy to interim head coach and see what he can do? And then you have a, an elongated interview process where you can make that decision in an intelligent way. And instead they're just like, ah, we'll just we'll just keep riding and and we'll pray that we make the right decision. Like You it want just to know why? Make sense to me
0: Because it's the commanders and that's what they do. Mm-hmm. So like, new i new mean, ownership. Now I was, I was optimistic. No. Well, yeah. And maybe that's, maybe they're hesitant to get their feet in the water, but the Raiders need a head coach. Panthers need a head coach commanders. I think it's probably going to be Eric B and I hope it is, but, um, Patriots are probably need their Patriots. And now you have the chargers. I mean, that's at least five, right? I don't and, think the
2: Patriots move from Belichick. I just really don't.
0: I think, I think this is a strong possibility. We'll see. We'll see. see. I'm in the camp that they do. Arthur Smith is another potential contender, depending upon how they finish the season. So, Uh, I I don't think he's going anywhere. I think it depends on if they don't make the playoffs. I think it certainly becomes a possibility.
2: A sneaky one to throw in there, real quick. You said Arthur before we talk about Arthur Smith. uh, What about Sean Sean McDermott with the Bills?
0: That's an interesting one too.
1: I think he's too good to let go. He's been he's been pretty consistent over the course of his career. This last game was a tough look, but I really think you look at his career and you say, "Ah," you know, he's he's probably too good to get rid of. He fired Ken Dorsey. I was going
2: to say he already pulled the desperation move: is fire an assistant? That that kind of tells you that's like every coach's last life raft is fire an assistant.
0: (laughs) Fire an assistant, see what happens. I, well, and that's what I said. I said in our group chat. I said, "You want to know what I want to know is how often does that actually work? Like, I I'm too lazy to go dig through all those stats to try and figure that out. But how often does firing an offensive or defensive coordinator save the career of whatever head coach? Because it's it's a scapegoat move nine times out of ten. Like that we know it, right? Like it's like a." They're not getting it done. We're going to get them out of here. And now, my career, you know, I've i bought myself some time. But in reality, most of those coaches end up leaving anyway. So I would love to know the statistics behind it. One of you brainiacs out there, uh, get to work and let me know.
1: Yeah. Well, speaking of Arthur Smith, we, we you know, we can't get through an episode of the Leather Brains Fantasy Football Podcast mm. without talking shit on Arthur Smith a little bit. Oh. Love it. Um, do you think he finally learned his lesson? Obviously, they came away with the win in this one. Desmond Ritter gave the ball away another two times, which he's just addicted to doing apparently. But they won this game because they dominated on the ground, right? Which which has always been what they've said they want to do, but then they keep letting Ritter throw these interceptions and fumble the ball like like they're running pass plays on the two-yard line and refuse to give the ball to Bijan Robinson in the red zone for some reason. But it seems like maybe they're slowly coming around here. Both Bijan and... Algier had good uh, games in terms of efficiency. Algier averaged 6.4 yards per carry, and Bajan averaged 5.7 yards per carry. That's the reason they won this game. And, you know, bad quarterback play can be difficult to overcome, but when you have a generational talent at running back, you have a good backup running back who's who's a great change of pace option, you have these weapons on the outside who, regardless of how often you're throwing the ball, you have to be able to cover Kyle Pitts. You have to be able to cover... um, uh, Why am I drawing a blank? Drake London um, you, you know so defenses have to respect that but then they also have to cover these crazy running backs so for me I'm hoping that Arthur Smith now is coming to the realization hey let's let's keep it real simple for our quarterbacks and let's give the ball to the people who are really really good playmakers and we'll get some wins
0: I think you're giving him too much regard and respect I think that's the issue here but John Robinson this is the, the his third highest like in, if you look at his games, he touched the ball 16 times, which is the third highest amount since he's began his NFL career. So I, I don't know why it's taken Arthur Smith this long to try and figure out, oh, I do have Bajan Robinson. I keep forgetting we're a run-first team. What a, You know, like, I just don't get it. So I think he's an idiot. I think he doesn't know what he's doing. And he, like, I, like I said at the beginning, I think Arthur Smith – belongs as a janitor on an NFL team and the only thing that happened was he was the janitor for the Falcons and he walked in and he did he did the old drawing plays on the fucking chalkboard and then somebody's like this guy knows what he's doing and they kept promoting him to the point where he got to head coach and he doesn't know how he got there he doesn't deserve to be there and he doesn't know what he's doing to make this team succeed so he keeps stumbling his way into figuring out how to get things done But I think he's a bad coach, and he's shitty, and he's ugly, and he's stupid, and I hate him.
2: Well, if they, I mean, good. I was gonna say, Matt, I'll let you go, but I mean, he is the four seed in the NFC playoffs right
1: now, so mm. that's what makes much. it. That's what makes it <laughs> tough. I, that's why I don't look think at the f- NFC. Look at the NFC. Yeah.
0: They'd
2: be playing still, the Cowboys I, at home right now if the playoffs started right now. Who wins? That, who wins that game? The Falcons. Pray to yeah. Depends Smith, on how many Arthur times Smith. Dak
1: throws an interception. <laughs> but. I don't know. Like, If, if they fired enemies. Arthur Smith today and they said, Slapdog, you're the new head coach of the Falcons, the first change you're going to make is, okay, every single game, Bijan is touching the ball 25 times minimum. Well, like first thing getting- I'm
0: going to do is figure out anything Arthur Smith touched and burned it, because I don't okay. want his essence anywhere near the
1: building. <laughs> okay, the second thing you do is say, all right, we drafted Bijan Robinson, maybe one of the best running back prospects ever, he is going to be our offense and it's crazy to me that that hasn't been the conclusion of this coaching staff yet where they're like okay Bijan we're you know rather than giving you you know 12 carries and a few passes we're going to you are going to be our workhorse you're going to get 18 carries and you know five or six targets through the air and we'll see what happens that's the first thing that you do and i just don't understand how they haven't come to that conclusion yet maybe it's because they've won too much they're winning too many games for him to say we need to change our system <laughs> like this is working great guys let's keep doing it <laughs> Yeah, I don't no, know. We're only averaging three picks a game. What's, what's the big deal? But yeah, I mean, I don't they don't have a quarterback.
0: We know that, right? Like, And and we're, we're beating a dead horse here. We know that the Falcons don't have a quarterback. Desmond Ritter is not the long-term solution here, and they desperately need to figure something out here in this offseason to make them competitive because their roster is pretty damn good. They have a good roster full of talented people. They just don't have a quarterback to get the ball in their playmaker's hands. So, I don't know why they're not using Bajan as much because that would be a very clear indicator to me that if we can't throw the ball and get get the ball and Drake London and Kyle Pitts and all these other people that we have on the team, if we cannot get the ball in their hands, maybe we just hand the ball off and run the ball and, and really set ourselves up in the run game because that's what the Falcons are historically known for or have been, you know, for the last couple of years. So I, I don't understand why it's taken them so long to figure this out, but I do hope that the turn continues. I do hope that Bajan continues to see a lot of volume because the NFL needs more guys like him. They do. It's, it's fun. It's electric. It makes like the running game is boring when you're playing Madden. Nobody likes to run ISOs in Madden because you want to throw the ball because it's fun, it's electric, it's you have options in the run game. It's you hand the ball off, you get four or five yards, you line up and you do it again. So in Madden, nobody wants to run the ball. But the 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 reality is in the NFL, running the ball is a very very important thing to do, and the Falcons can do it very well. They just need to give Bijan the ball, and they, they I, I hope that trend continues. Agreed. And that's it. That's all we got, gentlemen. We have no questions today. So my last question. To you boys, is Monday Night Football Predictions. We got the Bears and the Vikings, the Pastronaut versus is Justin Fields going to be back. I think Justin Fields is going to be back. So I it's the Pastronaut so. versus Justin Fields. Who's winning this game today? <sighs> I got, I I got one
2: thing. I got one Go thing. From it. a Vegas perspective, if the Vikings win in cover, it'll be the most teams in a single week that uh, won against the spread, most favorites that won against the spread. In a single mm-hmm. week, with thirteen, they're sitting at twelve right now. So
0: you saying bet we all should the favorites? Money line the Vikings right now?
2: I would say take the spread <sighs> on the Vikings, right? Meow, take it. What is it? Three? I would take it. That's what I'm rooting for. Rooting for history, I, boys.
1: Yeah, I do think the Vikings are, are going to win this game. I think the ceiling for the Vikings and how well they can perform is much higher than the Bears. So, obviously, anyone can win this game. Neither of these teams are in their best form right now. Uh, But I think the Vikings are probably more likely to win. And also, on my my fantasy teams, I got Alexander Madison and I have got uh, uh, Jordan Addison on a bunch of them. So, I really need uh, the Vikings to go off.
0: Okay. So, I have Alexander Madison as well. And I am going against Joshua Dobbs. So we'll say a bunch of sweeps to Jordan Addison for a couple touchdowns and Alexander Mattis is gonna have the rest. How's that sound?
1: That sounds perfect. I meant well, fifty
0: that. yards for the pass or no. uh, I'm right. taking the Vikings on this one. I think the Vikings will probably win this. And that's my that's my guess. So we're, we're all going Vikings. Page. Yep. Vikings. All right, cool. all right. Boys, that's all the time we have today. Appreciate you guys doing this. This was fun. We will do it again next Monday. So everybody tune in, hit subscribe, leave us a rating, and uh, we appreciate it. And let's go. We are out. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you tune into to our new releases every week on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and check out leatherbrains.com
1: for all of your fantasy football needs. And remember, Brainiacs, a championship should be more than a fantasy.